We're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 this morning. If you've got your Bible and you want to follow along, go ahead and be turning over there. I would highly, highly recommend that you carry some kind of a Bible and take some notes. Sometimes we say something worth repeating. Now, many of you have heard this story, but I'm going to share it anyway. In 1998, I was told that my services were no longer needed at the church that I was pastoring. That's, that's, not, that's not a happy conversation. I don't know if you've ever had those type of conversations. That's not a happy conversation. Because of some, some pride, some lies, some half-truths, some people that just wanted to be in charge, I got asked to leave. And even though I felt like I was doing exactly what God had asked me to do, in fact, God told me not to defend myself, I was asked to leave. I had to move out of the parsonage. We had to move in with people. And it was a, a, a time of, of great confusion, disappointment, anger. There was just all kinds of emotions going on at this time. And in fact, for the most part, uh, my family and I, we stayed out of church for about five years. But during that time, I met a man named Sam Fisher. And he was not like other people that I had met. Along the way, during those five years of being on the backside of the desert, I met lots of preachers. And it's funny when you, when, when you meet a preacher and, and you're in you know, this place of, of hurt and all that, and they just want to use you. you know, I can't tell you how many times I was offered, hey, come be my youth pastor. Hey, come, come, come be a part of this. Come do something for me. But I met a man who came along who cared about me. There, were, there was no conversation about, about, hey, come to the church and do this. Hey, come be a part of ministry. Because at that time, I promise you, you didn't want me in ministry. <laughs> I, I, I was not a happy person. <laughs> but uh, Pastor Sam, he pursued me. He would show up where, where I was working, just walk in like he owned the place, and he'd take me to lunch. He'd call me on the phone. He would check up on me. He was very passionate about what he was doing. He was not passive at all in the way that he was pursuing me. And I, I'll be real honest with you. I thought at the time it was because I was so special, and then I learned he did it for everybody. He just passionately pursues people. He is not passive about telling people, you can be healed. You can be in a right place with God. Now, Romans 1.16 uh, says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And Pastor Sam was not ashamed of the gospel. Now, I know we, we say this a lot, but just in case there's somebody new in here, the word gospel means good news. It's not just a big churchy word. It literally means good news. Good news is I didn't have to stay in the funk and the mess and the hurt and the brokenness, the anger and all of that. I didn't have to stay there. The good news was the power the power of God unto salvation. 
Now, when we hear that word salvation, quite often we're just thinking eternal salvation, right? And that is absolutely the truth. It is the truth that the good news is you can have a place in heaven with God for eternity. The good news is you do not have to die and be separated from God and spend an eternity in hell. That is good news. But salvation, that word salvation, also means deliverance. It also means rescue. Anybody need any rescue from time to time? So the good news is the power of God to rescue us in whatever we're going through. Whatever place we are, God wants to rescue us. Now, we started a sermon series called Jesus Light. Um, Half is not good enough. Half the peace is not good enough. Half the joy is not good enough. Half of healing is not good enough, right? We don't want Jesus light. We want all that he intended for us to have. And um, we, we started off by talking about taking our dreams and turning them into destiny. Last week, the, the message was supposed to be uh, how to hear the Spirit Hear the voice of the Spirit over the voice of our soul. Who's leading us? I, had, I, I really didn't have any inclination until I, I got here that morning that, that God was going to make me an object lesson. See, if you happen to be, those of you aren't laughing, though, I wasn't here last week. Because I walked up, I'm sitting right back there during the throne room service, and, and, and God just dropped a, a scripture in my heart. And I'm going, what am I supposed to do with this? What am I supposed to do with this? He goes, I'll show you. And you know what he showed me? Don't preach all that stuff that you had prepared. (laughs) Preach this. Use this and just do ministry. So this morning, we're actually going to be talking about how to love people into healthy lives. Over the next six weeks, we're going to be talking about, as we're finishing up this lesson series, what we're really going into is the the, the core values and the core beliefs of New Covenant Church. Don't you think it'd be good to know what the church believes? Well, I just show up for the donuts and the coffee. (laughs) It'd be good to know what the church believes. So the, the question I'm asking is, I believe that New Covenant Church, before I ever came along, it was birthed because there was a man named Sam Fisher, and he's not dead, okay? <laughs> don't, don't be thinking that. He's in Gulf Shores, Alabama right now. Pastor Sam, if you're watching, we love you. It was started with the DNA of loving people into healthy lives. So if we say that at New Covenant Church, uh, our heart and our goal is to love people into healthy lives, are we doing that? And if we are, how are we doing that? So this is kind of a a message. Somebody's going to go, now I don't have to come to the next class because you just told me everything. We're going to talk a little bit about who we are over the next few weeks. All right? Is that okay? Thank you for your permission. All right. First of all, why be passionate? Do you find 1 Thessalonians? 1 Thessalonians 3. 
verse 9. It says, For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sakes before our God. What thanksgiving can we return to God? What he's really saying is, we love you and we're thanking God for you. And I'm going to tell you, from, from the pastors and the staff of this church, we thank God for you. We really, really do. I mean, some of you that I, that I, that I know more about, and I, I'm, I'm so thankful for the people that God has brought to this church, those that are, that are willing just to circle around and, and do what God has called us to do and do it together. But we thank God for you. I promise you that there's not, there's not one member of this church that does not get prayed for, if not weekly, at least monthly. You're getting prayed for. Why? Because we thank God for you. And even beyond that, we're not passive about uh, feeling the joy that the Lord brings because of you. You are a joy to the Lord. Now, for, for whoever's thinking they're not, let me just say it again, okay? I'm going to look in eyeballs. I know we always, we always hear, oh, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Yes, that's scriptural. But guess what? You're the joy of the Lord. What? The Lord takes joy in you. And we take joy in you. I'm going to tell you that... Uh, uh, you know, a couple of years ago when, when, when I became lead pastor of the church, I kind of misunderstood my job. I did. I, mi I misunderstood my job. I thought my job was to, uh, you know, come up with all these great ways to do things. Come up with all these, these schemes and plans to, to do things. And then to, to, to study and preach a halfway interesting message on Sundays. And, and, and those things are absolutely true. But you know what I missed? I missed that it was my job to help you be who God had called you to be. It's not about me being who God had called me to be. See, that's, that's the mistake in ministry. Y'all do everything so I can be who, who I'm supposed to be. Y'all invite a whole bunch of people so, so we, can tell, we can tell people, you know, we, we had a full service on Sunday morning. You know, God broke me of, of the numbers thing. He really did. God broke me of the numbers thing. I mean, those of you that, that were here uh, pre-COVID, I mean, there was just times that, you know, we were standing room only. And you know why that was happening? It's because I was so awesome. Then COVID happened, and I found out how awesome I was. The Lord broke me of, of, of that. You know, there's nothing wrong with numbers. Listen to me. There's nothing wrong with numbers. Because as, as we've said before, that, you know, every number represents a person. And every person represents a story. And we want to minister into, into that person and be a part of their story. But the thing is that, that the way that, they, that, that I've been taught is you just got to get a whole bunch of people together. You get them together. 
I've never been to a breaking the 500 barrier or any of, any of these uh, things that teach you how to, to get 1,000 people in your church. I've never been to one that said, hey, look somebody in the eye and tell them, you're probably not supposed to be here. It's better for the kingdom if you go somewhere else. Not in an ugly way. I'd like to tell some of you that. But uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But to be able to look somebody in the eye and say, you know what? We're not in competition with anybody else. There is no church in Tyler, Texas. All 399 other ones that we're in competition with. Because we're uniquely called, we're uniquely placed to do something. And if God has called you to be a part of that, you will be here. If God has not called you to be a part of that, it's better for the kingdom that you be where he's called you to be. Now, that, that's, that's not the way that, that I was taught to think. But I believe that's the way that the Lord is doing it. We can be passionate about you because I know you're supposed to be here. And I know that you're one that God has called to help us do what the Lord has said for NCC to do. Does that make sense? All right, so what are we passionate about around here? Verse 10 there in 1 Thessalonians 3. As we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your face. Hey, here's something that we are passionate about. Seeing your face. And I don't mean just on Sunday mornings. I mean seeing you. Seeing the real you. Knowing who you are, knowing what you're called to do, knowing what your gifts and your purpose in the kingdom, seeing that. Because if we don't see that, all we do is just propagate this this church model where the guy on the stage, you know, he's the holy anointed one. And anybody knows me, knows that's not me, right? Thank you. I, I was waiting for one of the staff members to be fired. It's not about just who gets to stand on stage. It's about what are your giftings? What are you called to do? And helping you understand how to operate in that place. That's what we're passionate about. We're not all alike. You go to a church that's all alike, I don't want to be there. I don't want to be at a church that's all alike. You know, I was, uh, was going to call the twins up here, but they're not in here, so never mind. <laughs> the Bravo twins. I could just bring two other kids up here. Most of you wouldn't know the difference. But <laughs> they're twins. They don't look anything alike. They don't really act anything alike. I mean, you know, the major difference is, you know, obviously one's a boy and one's a girl. One, one is really, really intelligent. The other was Israel. But uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm ki- See, he's not even in here, and I'm making fun of him. And he- do not send me any texts about that, okay? He knows that I love him. He knows that I love him. But they're different. They're different. They were in the womb at the same time. They share a birthday. But they're different, Right? 
So we don't want to all be the same. I've got this little, this, this little thing here. Can you see this? Can you see this? Okay. We can see this, right? I wrote the name on there, not, not, not being funny or anything, but I, I know that there are some people that have trouble with colors. Uh, and that's, I promise you, that's, that's, I'm not being funny about that because I happen to be shade blind. Um, and, and, and it's not funny at times. <laughs> I, I went to the store one time and I bought this really, really nice dress shirt. It was, it was sleek black and it had white pinstripes. I mean, it was, it was really, really sharp. I know you look at me and go, yeah, I don't see it. But it was really, really sharp. And uh, I wore it to church. And Miss Dorothy Sims walked up to me. That's Pastor Roger's mama. She walked up to me and she said, I love it when a man will wear some color. <laughs> I'm like, it's, it's black and white. What's, what are you talking about? <laughs> And I just went over to my wife. I said, what color is my shirt? She said, it's a deep purple with pink stripes. Just happens to be the two colors I can't really see. Anybody remember the, the Mary Kay uh, pink Cadillacs? My friends used to tease me. They go, what color is that car? What color is that car? And you go, it's dirty white. Stop. Shut up. Leave me alone. You're just mean. So I wrote this just in case. Okay, so what color is the paper? What color? What if I disagreed with you? You say it's yellow. Well, what if I say it's green? You say it's yellow, but I say it's green. And you know what? We could get very contentious about that, couldn't we? And we could go over here and we could start the, the church of the yellow paper. And then over here, the rest of us go over here and start the church of, of the green paper. Right? <laughs> but you know what? We can only see what we can see because it's green. We can only see what we can see. Why do we need a difference in, in, in people? Because I need to be able to, to know what you see, and I need to be able to trust you to tell me what you see, and then you need to be able to trust me for what I see. And we can't do that if we're all alike, can we? We cannot do that if we're all alike. I mean, that goes everywhere into, you know, uh, uh, a lot of traditional ministries say that, you know, women can't be a part of ministry. Well, you know what? All of my daughters are called to ministry. <laughs> they have a different perspective. I promise you, my wife has a different perspective from me. But I need to be able to hear what, what she has to say. I don't want to be a church that, that and, and, and I can just say this because y'all know me well enough. I don't want to be a white church where black people or, or Hispanic people or any other uh, uh, race of people just feel comfortable. I don't want to be that. What do I want to be? I want to represent the kingdom of heaven. Why? And there's different perspectives. Different perspectives. We can all come together and say, yes, we're the human race. Absolutely. There's only one race. You know, people get upset about that. There's only one race. Yes, okay. There's only one race. But guess what? You're experiencing it different than I am. And we need your perspective. 
and it even goes into, into ministry. You know, for a long time now, uh, the, only, the only people that really got the platform or got to say anything or got to speak to anything were the pastors. But we're leaving out four other areas of ministry. Because there's an apostle, there's a prophet, there's a pastor, there's an evangelist, and there's a teacher. What about the other four? Did we just forget about them? Did God change his mind? I mean, that's not what what Ephesians chapter 4 says. Ephesians chapter 4 says that that Jesus put these in the body until, until we've all become mature. You may all be mature, but I hadn't got there yet. So I still need the ministry. I see things from a pastoral point of view. But you may see things from an evangelistic point of view. And we need each other. I don't want you to be like me. I got me. I know what I think. I need you to be you. I need you to be able to bring your perspective to who we are as a church. All right? So we want to be passionate about supplying support and encouragement. Opportunity. Opportunity. You know how bad it is to, to, to know that there are gifted people sitting in the congregation that never get an opportunity to use their gifts? And it happens all the time. I met a couple uh, not too long ago, and this man has such a call of God on his life. But you know what? Nobody ever told him. He had such leadership potential. Nobody had ever discipled him. And I began to call it out of him that they weren't seeing it in his church. They weren't giving him an opportunity in his church. But I'm seeing it, and I'm, and I'm just telling him, you have got to step into a place of leadership because God has called you. If we talk about all this stuff, oh, I need your perspective, blah, blah, but I never give you an opportunity to give me your perspective, it's just hot air. We need each other. So you need opportunity. We need to stand in prayer for each other. We stand, I promise you, the pastors and the staff of this church stand in prayer for you. Uh, just, this, just this last week, I, I won't say every day, but you know, several days a week, when I get up, the first thing that I, that I do is I, I take communion. It's just between me and the Lord. It's just something that the Lord and I do. It starts my day off really, really well. And I take that cracker, as, and you'll understand this, most of you that know the, you know the sickness that I went through, and I just say, Lord, this is the broken body of Jesus Christ, broken for me, broken for my healing. Lord, I receive everything that Jesus has done into my body. And, and, and I just pray that way. Well, this past week, I, I took that cracker, and, and, and I got ready to... To, to do my thing, and the Lord laid somebody on my heart. It's somebody in the church who happens to be, to be fighting um, terminal illness. And I'm telling you, the compassion of God just, just overwhelmed me. And instead of saying, Lord, uh, this is the broken body broken for me, I said, Lord, this is the broken body broken for, and I named his name. And I said, Lord, I'm standing in for him. And everything that I normally pray over myself, I begin to pray for this man. I begin to pray over his body. You get prayed for. 
A lot of you know, because I'll just send you a text going, hey, you know, God won't let you get out of my head. So I might as well reach out and say I'm praying for you. So that's, that's the heart. That's what we're passionate about. We're passionate about you. So what is the direction of NCC's passion? Back in 1 Thessalonians, verse 11 this time. 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 11. Now may God our Father, may our, sorry, let me start over. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. Direct our way to you. We're praying that God directs our way to you. See, so often we, we do this, y'all come, y'all come, y'all come, y'all come, y'all come. But it's really our place as the pastors and the leaders of the church to say, Lord, direct us to them. Direct us to them. So how, how, how do we do that? How do we do that? I'm, I'm just going to quickly run through some things right here. How do we do that? Number one, we get in your business. Is that okay? We get in your business. You're going to be a member of New Covenant Church? We're going to get in your business. That's not so we can uh, gossip about you or talk about you or did you hear about so-and-so. It's because when we know what's going on in your life, we know how to pray. We know how to direct you. We know how to help you. That's why we have shepherds in the body. I watched Sam Fisher for how long, 16 years before I became the lead pastor, I watched him try to shepherd everybody. And when I came into this, I tried to do it because that's what my leader did. So I'm going to try this too. But you know what? I'm nowhere close to as good of a shepherd as he was or is. He's not dead, remember. Uh, He is. But I, I, I felt like We'd become like an emergency room. I, I, watched, I watched Sam, and I, and I fell into it myself. You know, you run over here, and you stitch somebody up real quick, but then you got to jump over here and, and work on somebody else, and you just find yourself doing that over and over and over again, and sometimes you don't even know what's going on in people's lives, and they get mad at you because you don't know about it, and they didn't tell you. But you know what? When, you, when there's shepherds in the body... When we have people that are set in the body as shepherds like we do, they're going to get in your business. They're going to know what's going on in your life. I found out a lot about you through them. What's going on? How can we be praying? How can we we help you? And then uh, dealing with the hurts and the wounds of life. Now, we've not done this effectively for, for a couple of years, but we're really about to get back to, to doing freedom ministry. Freedom ministry is a place where, where you come, and it's not counseling. Counseling is fantastic. If you need counseling, you, know, you can set up a time with a pastor, or if you need a professional counselor, that's fantastic. Freedom ministry is not about counseling. Freedom ministry is about helping you recognize what's going on in your life and hearing what God says about it. So it's not coming out of my mouth. You hear God. And we're going to be really getting back into, into freedom ministry. It's going to be kicking back up before the end of the year. So we, we just have all these ways that, that, that uh, we're giving you opportunity to take that next step in Christ. You know, Hannah talked about the, the, uh, uh, the Wednesday night class. 
This Wednesday night class, I promise you, has been one of the best that we have done. One of the best. I mean, it started off with you've got to, what you believe about you matters. Because what most people believe about themselves is not what God says about them. And though, even though he's in the room, I'm going to brag on Kenny Lang. He taught a lesson on adoption, about getting free from an orphan spirit, that the revelation was so good. I was like, that's got to be you, God, because I know that's not Kenny. <laughs> I, lo- I love you. So we have these opportunities we have for you to take your next step. Of course, we do Sunday mornings and we do, we do ministry. We have the throne room service for people to come and really connect on a deep level with the presence of the Holy Spirit. Where there's, It's not real teaching. It's, it's worship. It's prayer. It's prophetic moments. It's you getting an opportunity to, to operate in, in your gifts. Then we have Sunday morning classes, grounded and growing. These are fantastic things that you can be a part of. So what we're really trying to do, anybody remember the movie E.T.? Remember E.T.? Yeah? Anybody old enough to remember that? That old movie E.T.? I was in high school when it came out. I know. (laughs) Decrepit, right? Uh, Do you remember how Elliot was taking the, uh, the Reese's Pieces? And he's putting them down. And he's trying to get E.T. to follow him into the house. Right? This is the pastors and the staff. Okay? You're E.T. We're leaving breadcrumbs for you to follow so you can begin to connect and be who God has called you to be. All right? All right. So what's the, what's the result of being passionate instead of passive? We'll finish up right here in 1 Thessalonians three twelve. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another. And for all, as we do for you. Here's the result. As we help you get get free from the hurts of life. As we help you identify who you are in Christ. As we help you see that you are gifted. You are called. There's a place for you. When it becomes alive in you. You can't keep it to yourself. You can't. You absolutely can't keep it to yourself. As the scripture says, as you increase and abound in love for one another. As you abound in love, as you catch the vision for what we're trying to accomplish here at NCC, you will become passionate about others. Passivity is not an option for somebody who follows Jesus. Just the truth. So, um, you know, Sam passionately pursued me. He knew I was messed up. Man, I was, I, w- I was a mess. I didn't, I didn't want to know anybody, and I didn't want to be known. 
It was everything I could do just to come to church. Anybody ever been there? You don't have to raise your hand. Oh, well, you can. Thank you for being honest. There we go. Yes, this morning, I knew you were preaching, and it was everything I could do. But it was everything that I could do just to get to church, and I promise you, I wasn't there every week at first. We'd come. We'd be gone for like six weeks. Sam, come looking for me. And he'd love me back in. And then he got to the place where you know, the Lord really said, hey, be faithful. Be faithful. Still wasn't thinking about ministry. In fact, I had made this vow out of my mouth. You know what I think about ministry, God? <laughs> I don't want anything to do with ministry. Never going to do it again. You had your one chance, God, and you blew it. Just kept loving. Just kept loving. Just kept loving. Just kept bringing me back around, bringing me back around, bringing me back around. And he loved me into a place where where I began to get healthy again. He was loving me into a healthy life, so much so that he trusted me with the church that he had started. I can remember the day we had just moved into this building. And I'm sitting right out there on the patio. And Sam comes out there and he sits next to me. And he said, I'm not going to be the pastor of this church forever. I'm going to turn it over to you. And at that time he said two years, but we we took an extra year because I took a year off to be sick. But he trusted me enough. Do, do, do Sam and I see everything eye to eye just the same way? No. But he trusts me. The way that I, I do things, is it exactly the way that Sam would do things? No. But he trusts me. And it's, that's, what, that's the heart That's the DNA of this house is to raise up sons and daughters and say, you're not going to do it exactly the way that we're going to do it, but we trust you. Use your gift. Prophesy. Teach. Be who God created you to be. That's why we love people into healthy relationships. So, Here's my closing statement. Your church is passionate about you. Your spiritual health, your calling, and we don't want you to have the light version of Jesus. We don't believe that half is good enough when it comes to your destiny. We will be passionate about you. Will you be passionate about allowing us to lead you there? What's the Holy Spirit saying this morning? I I hope you heard something that encouraged you. I hope you heard something that said, you know what, I really do want to be a part of that church. I really do want to engage with who God's calling me to be. But you know, to be honest, there, there may be somebody here who goes, I, I, you know, you're talking about all this stuff and I don't even know this Jesus. Jesus himself said that he came to seek and save the lost, not to tickle the church. 
Man, the church is awesome. I'm glad we get to do what we do. But the real reason we do what we do is so people can be saved, so people can be brought into the kingdom. And if you're here this morning and you've never really made that, that, that just commitment to, to Jesus, I'm not asking you to join the church. I'm not asking you to be uh, a religious weirdo. I'm just asking, do you have a real and an alive relationship with Jesus Christ? And if you're saying, no, I don't know, we can fix that. I got the opportunity to, to minister to somebody just this week. And I went to talk to him, and we were just, he, he was in a place of hurt. But I asked him that same question, do you have a real and an alive relationship with Jesus Christ? And he said, well, I've been baptized. Well, you know what? There's a lot of wet people that don't know Jesus. So I'm just asking, I'm just asking, do you have a real and alive relationship with Jesus? Or maybe you have in the past and you go, you know what? I've, I've let it slip. We're not throwing any stones, but we want you to leave here this morning saying, I know that I know. If nothing else, I know that I'm a child of God's. All right. And if you're in either one of those places, I promise you all the saved people in here are not sitting there going, dang, I'm hungry. I wish he'd shut up. All the saved people in here are going, Lord, Lord, if there's somebody in here, because you know what? That's what saved people do. We know what it's done for us. We know how it has changed our lives. We know how God has invaded our mess. If you need to have a relationship with Jesus, you don't really understand it, or you've been there, and you just want it real and right. So everybody else is saying, you know what? I'm in a good place with the Lord. I'm walking with the Lord. Fantastic. Would you pray this prayer with me? Is it okay if we, if we all pray it? Just say, Jesus, I need you, and I give you me. I recognize that I'm a mess, and I give you the mess. And I receive everything that you have. I want to be who you created me to be. So if you'll teach me, if you'll show me, I'll follow you for the rest of my life. Amen.